Welcome to our first episode of the Boston GAA podcast, where we'll be talking to current and former players who've played in the Boston area, as well as people involved with the GAA scene in Boston and New England. For our first episode, we'll be talking to Sean Ogdepuer, who won a Boston championship in 1997, and then went on to win two All-Irelands with Galway uh, and represent Ireland in the international rules. We'll also be speaking with Ali Dewey from Dunloy County Antrim, who hurled with Father Toms and won a Boston championship last year. So without further ado, we'll introduce Sean Og to where. All right, Sean Og. So how's things going at home with uh, the coronavirus and the GAA? You know, I know your your kids are involved with Oran Moore and how's it going at that level, um, at, at club level? I know they were running the club championships. Um. Uh, well, like from, from a position last uh, March where there wasn't much happening at all. We were sending out uh, challenges to the lads on a weekly basis. We're now in the thick of things in terms of training and matches for, for underage. It's it's really normal service resumed, apart from the fact that, you know, you have to take um, an attendance for every training session. You must also uh, do the health questionnaire before every training session. And obviously you have to have the... Uh, sanitizing equipment at uh, the training session so the lads can you know before and after training uh, do that kind of thing but it's funny how you know especially young kids they become very used to something very very quickly they're very um, you know I suppose resilient in that but um, you know we've played three or four matches I'm helping out with the Ormore Mary under 13 football team uh, and we've played three or four matches in the under-14 championship here in Galway because they're only running the even underage competitions. They're, they may run the 13-15 competition later on in the season, depending on how things go. But, um, like, you know, um, the adult championships, we can't go to the matches. But in Galway here, there's a good selection of... Um, matches that you can watch online on YouTube. So, uh, no, it's not the same as attending the match, but still, you know, I've watched a couple of games uh, on 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 that service, and it is quite good. The quality is quite good. So, um, you know, it's you know things are I won't say back to normal, but they're certainly better than they were uh, last March, last April. Yeah, <clears throat> would you find a lot of clubs? I know out here. Um you know, with things like Facebook Live, you had some clubs putting their matches on Facebook. The recordings wouldn't be great, but would you see a lot of clubs doing that to try and kind of get their matches out online for supporters to watch? Are they doing more professional jobs? Well, it's the matches that I've watched are professional jobs. Nemeton, who who do the live GA for uh, TG Car, they offer service. Now, not every county have taken up their offer, if you like. Uh, I think about eight or nine counties are using, um, they, they call it Bio Sport, uh, right. which is the Irish for live sport. So you pay, you know, there's different packages. You pay six euro to watch a single game, which I think is good value. Um, yeah. So uh, now some clubs are probably using Facebook Live, but I, I, I wouldn't know. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would think that 
um, most are using the the professional service. But it is, like I said, it's it's a good quality, and you feel, you know, you're not missing out. Right, <clears throat> right. I suppose, you know, the coronavirus in a lot of ways creating opportunities in other ways. You know, but that's it. And provide this kind of service. You know. Yeah, and I think last Sunday, uh, TG Carr showed uh, some senior club championship matches um and i think they were the viewing figures were through the roof All i right. mean there, it just goes to show that there is a huge appetite for uh, watching gaelic games and the fact that we haven't had them for a while and now all of a sudden you know they're all available and that and everybody wants to watch them i think the viewing figures were at its peak 10% of the country would have been watching the matches last sunday so that's you know that's a fair amount of people that's nearly you know i don't know what 10 percent of five million is five hundred thousand. that's you know that's a lot of people that's amazing amazing well i suppose it's not really i mean um but it just goes to show you just how much people want (laughs) if they've been starved of sports and they want to to kind of get back if not obviously players want to play but Sporters and spectators want to watch the games, but on the underage level now, with the requirements for kids that you talked about, would you see kids can kind of be very adaptable to things? Would you see any pushback at all from parents, or are parents all on board with? Like, are they happy that their kids can go train and so they'll adhere to the guidelines, or would you see yeah, well, any parents pushing back a bit on that, or trying to kind of cut the corner a little bit? No, the, like I think we're very lucky here in Galway because the figures for the coronavirus are very, very low. Um, yeah. So there isn't an awful lot of it out in the community. So I think parents feel quite safe in sending their kids to training. Like I said, we're we're doing everything that the GA have recommended that we right. do. Um, but parents haven't uh, questioned us at all in any aspect of that. We have a guy, fair play to him, a parent who has volunteered to take uh, a hard copy attendance sheet for every training session and he takes a photograph of it and sends it on to me. And then on top of that, just as a kind of a fail-safe measure, we use uh, an app called ClubZap. Right. And with ClubZap, the parents can... um, say whether their son is going to attend training and then number two they can fill up the health questionnaire on the club's app app so there's no hard copy when you get to training so it's it's you know it's to be fair it's fairly streamlined the first couple of sessions all right we were all getting used to it but um no the parents are all on board no that's great it's great to hear yeah here um in boston Three weeks ago or so, we started um, underage practice. And as you might know, there are three three underage clubs in the Boston area. So our own club, Trinity, started a few weeks ago. And the guidelines are very similar. Um, You know, parents have to sign waivers for the town of Milton, you know, the club waiver. And uh, you've got the... um, you know, hand sanitizer and social distancing guidelines and all that. But 
there has been nothing happening at uh, adult level. We haven't had a season at all. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just the numbers, you know. It's just <clears throat> hasn't hasn't opened up enough where we could safely have a club championship of any kind, you know. Yeah. So, as you know, um, a lot of, at least at senior level and, you know, even junior level, a lot of summer players would come from Ireland. So, needless to say, no one's travelled. And I think we were hoping to have a little bit of a... Uh, a um, home-based championship maybe later in the fall, but it's it's you know who knows how that's going to that's going yeah. to go. But you played in Boston yourself um, a couple of times. Um, I know that you came over when you were in UCG uh, and played for the Connemara Gales, and then you came back over uh, again in 1997 when you were kind of you know in the midst of your inter-county career. So you have a lot of, um, I'm sure you have a lot of memories or thoughts about playing here and the Gales, and you won the championship that year in 97 with the Gales. Do you have any recollections or thoughts about about your time here? Uh, well, I, I, Rory, I, I really, really enjoyed my, my time in Boston, and, you know, it is one of my favourite cities in the world, and obviously an awful lot of that has to do with all the good memories I took from Boston but when I came out first to Boston in 1989 uh, I was a fairly innocent uh, young lad I think I was only about 18 and I came out with a group of about seven fellas from UCG and myself and a guy called Cahill McGinley who later played for Salt Hill and managed Salt Hill and won an All-Ireland club with Salt Hill. Myself and himself stayed in an apartment next door to the 12 Bens. We were down in the basement apartment. I think it was um, uh, Gabe Mannion that owned the apartment. And uh, that was my base. I worked in the 12 Bens. I had a 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. shift. uh, And then the other barman... Huh? You had people coming in at 7 a.m. to the bends. <laughs> well, the, the bends. Well, you, you actually had, even though the, if memory serves me, I, I could open the doors at eight o'clock oh. for the first hour. For the first hour, I was cleaning up a bit from the night before, but you yeah. would get the odd knock on the door uh, from fellas just before they're going off to work, and you know they'd look for. Um, you know, one and ones. Uh, you know, I mean th- these phrases i didn't know anything about them but as time right. went on you you know you'd learn but the football the football in 1989 was out in delboy and uh, the, it was 13 aside i think it's 13 aside still still but is yeah the thing about delboy was that the pitch whilst it was lengthwise you know decent enough but widthwise it was very very narrow and, you know, for a young lad like myself who kind of relied on a bit of space or finding a bit of space, you know, it was a bit of an eye-opener. Yeah. The referees, you know, they weren't bad. Um, you know, there was there was a couple of guys there. Um, I met one of them at the 
Connemara Gales victory dance in December 2013. A big, tall guy. I think he was a Shannon Blues guy. Marty something. I forget his surname. Marty Kilcullen. <clears throat> That's Marty, yeah. Marty refed a couple of games and uh, Marty wasn't a great ref. He was a lovely fella, but not a great ref. Um, I know so Marty we, well, though. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell Marty I said that. But uh, <laughs> um, No, look at the, um, the, we, the Gales that summer, we... We did okay. We didn't, you know, we didn't get as far as any finals or anything like that. But I played, I played with, um, uh, you know, guys like uh, Pat Burke he used to come out for the summer. He was a teacher in Carney. He still is. His daughter played for the Galway Ladies in the All Ireland final last uh, against the Dubs there last September, I think. Sinead Burke. She was mm-hmm. cornerback, but. Uh, you know, played with the likes of Pat Burke and uh, there was other guys as well. But Martin Kerr, uh, I think, was around at the time as well. But was uh, playing at the time and back then. Yeah, Martin. Martin would have been playing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know, but it was like now my it was a wonderful experience. But my summer was cut short because I didn't do the required study to pass my exams in UCG. So I remember my mother ringing me saying, you've done well, but you've failed one exam. So I had, like I spent, I'd say about six, seven weeks in Boston, but I had to go home oh, uh, at the yeah, yeah. beginning of August. So I, I, I was a bit disappointed. But um, then, you know, you mentioned there that I was in the midst of my uh, county career. I was, I was uh, in 1997. Myself and Declan Meehan yeah. travelled for, for the summer. We'd been beaten by Mayo in the Connacht Championship in June. And I'd say about two weeks later, we landed in Boston, the two of us. And we lived in a house opposite the Kearney Hospital. Ah, yeah. Uh, I know it well. Yeah, there's a, there, was a, there was an apartment there. I don't know who owned it now, but... Um, Myself and Decky, work-wise, we did some work with um, Paddy Lee. Uh, he he was he was um, working on the swimming pools for the municipal uh, for the county council, if you like, of Boston. So uh, they call it the um, uh, MDC Metropolitan District Commission, might be. Like the yeah, pub, so, public swimming pools around the city. Yeah, so yeah. I, like I was told before I went out that that's what I would be doing. And so I had this kind of image of me working, you know, that the work would be very, very light and easy and all that. But I was wrong. There was <laughs> there was tangoing to be done. There was painting to be done. But um, no, it was, it was excellent. Then the football, like the football was just, you know, the fact that we won... Um, that we won the championship that summer. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, at the time, I suppose I would have had more inter-county experience than Decky. So yeah. in true Connemara Gales fashion, you know, we won the championship, etc. But Decky would have played, you know, his form would have been better than mine in Boston. So the likes of Stevie King and these guys would say that, I brought Declan out to Boston, but that Declan <laughs> brought me home. You know? right. so, um, yeah, but no, like some some great, great guys um, 
you know, again, Martin Kerr would have uh, been around the team, Gabe Mannion as well. We had a few guys uh, from Throne as well. Uh, you had Dermot Gormley, he was playing. Oh, yeah, Dermot. Uh, you, you had the two Vinnies. You had Vinnie O'Neill and Vinnie O'Malley. Vinnie uh, O'Malley, I know. Yeah, I know them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of them, Vinnie O'Neill was corner back and Vinnie O'Malley was corner forward. Yeah. Then you had you had Andy Keneally from Bally Keneally. Uh, oh, Andy yeah. scored a very important goal for us. I think it was in the final against uh, McInespies. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, Andy was a bit of a character and um, you had uh, Big Joe... Hagen or O'Hagan. He was a, he was like ourselves. He he just yeah. came over summer, and he was living in the apartment uh, with us. So um, yeah, but look at we had and we flew out to Boston or sorry we flew out to San Francisco for the All Americans, which was a bonus. Yeah. Um, after winning Boston, but um, like the football was in in Del Boy again. I yeah. think it was the last year before they moved out to Canton. But um, you know, again, the pitches were were narrow. Um, Did you find you, know, you were better able for it though, being um, you know, kind of more, I suppose, physically strong than you would have been when you were like a, an eighteen-year-old in college? Did you find Del Boy was you were able to kind of handle the the knocks and the hits that you used to? I mean, I played out there myself for plenty of years. Um, uh, you know, you. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more physical than at home, but did you find that you were, um, you know, able to handle that aspect of the game better? You would, yeah, you would. Um, you see, especially when you were, you know, when you flew out there for the summer, you know, you you were a target really, um, you know, because every team would have two or three players uh, that, you know, they'd be the away base players and they'd be targets and. You know, the home base players wanted to make, you know, make their presence mark. felt. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I make their mark in a very literal sense. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, th- that that challenge was always there. But in 90, yeah. in, in, in 89, you know, I no, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, I suppose, stand up and challenge these people. But certainly in 97, um you know, it's not that I'd go looking for trouble because that wasn't the type of player I was. But certainly, you know, fellas ran into me. You know, they they'd know it in the sense that you know I was physically stronger and that type of thing. And yeah. you know, the verbals wouldn't uh, affect you at all. You know, yeah. because there was there would have been some verbals. Um, right. You know, um, playing McInnespies in the final. You know, they were they were they were a hardy team. Um, but you know they try and intimidate you. But look, at we 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 got over it. We won it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I suppose I could speak maybe from the home base side, and you know what you say is true. If um, you know, obviously you your own team would have the fellas who came out for the summer for you, but it'd be the uh, you know if a team brought out a big name, you'd definitely be not necessarily to to do damage but you'd be making provision for how you're going to to handle that player or those yeah. players you know so <clears throat> yeah definitely um 
And it was always, you know, for us um, <clears throat> as home base players. And some of the home, like when you came out to Boston, Sean Og, uh, the football and the home base football in Boston was very strong, at least from my perspective. You know, one of the players that I, and I think he was on the team that, that, uh, that won it with you in 97 was Alan O'Connor. <clears throat> um, you know, and you had you had a lot of players in my own, you know, my own team who would have played minor under twenty one, and some of them might have had a had a run at a, their own counties if they stayed at home. So, um, you know, you it was, but it was very kind of so it was a little bit of excitement if your own club was bringing a name over, or there was just a a well known, you know, star coming over to play in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People would get you'd kind of get you fired up and get you excited about it. So, you know, you you mentioned Alan O'Connor there. You are right. I mean, if Alan O'Connor had stayed in Galway, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have uh, a couple of All Ireland medals in his pocket. Uh, Like I played, which yeah. I play I like I played on on the same minor team as Alan. We're the same age, so I know how how good he is and how effective he is. And there's another guy there, Francis Kine. I mean, he's been in Boston for for I would say decades at this at this stage. But yeah. you know, he, he was another great player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oakdrard man. But you know, you were right. The the home base players, the standard was quite good. Yeah, uh, we had a guy from Tyrone training us that summer in 97, uh, yeah. Peter Lachlan. Uh, his nickname was Limey, but he, he was a good trainer. Like he had, you know, he had a fair bit to do with, um, you know, with us, us winning as well, you know, because the training sessions were quite good. <clears throat> right, right. Um, so you, um, you had one, uh, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you'd won a Galway Championship with Carrow the year before. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. 96. Yeah. Ironically, Rory, ironically, the team we beat in the final was Ormore Mary, which is <laughs> and which is which is where I um am settled and living now. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's funny how the circle of life goes, but uh, they, they they remind me of that on a reg well on a semi regular basis here you know it was the only yeah. county final that or more ever got to you know they still tell you about it yeah but look at, uh, uh, that's I suppose from my own perspective it's kind of funny too because uh, I played with St Column Kills who um, over here in Boston who uh, yeah, would have been mostly I suppose most of the the guys here would have been Dublin fellas. Um, but then the, the club folded in 2006, and uh, then I then I played for the Gales for a few years at junior level. So, and my own kids, uh, my own two boys, Nesson and Keenan. Last year they played a little bit of adult football, you know, junior with the Connemara Gales, and uh, I was very disappointed for the oldest fella because he was all he's all fired up about it, you know. Yeah. He was so looking forward to going out there, you know, especially for playing with the Connemara Gales, you know, for him, I suppose, because like last year, you had some some very good players come over from Ireland playing with the Gales. There's a, a couple of fellas from Thomas Davis in Dublin, 
and a couple of inter-county footballers. And he's, you know, he's a 17-year-old American kid who's, you know, loves playing it and he's out there training. Now, he's not obviously on the senior team with these fellas, but he's out there training with them and that gets him all fired up, you know. Uh, no, that's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and so he was very disappointed when they kind of called it on the season. He was, uh, this year, he was devastated, you know. But um, you went back then to to Ireland and um, 98 then, you um, you know, you've been on the Galway team for five or six years maybe, since you were maybe out of minor under 21 and he might have made, he won a Connacht and I think he might have played <coughs> made it to a couple of Connacht finals but you wouldn't have been regarded I suppose as a contender for an All-Ireland but then you know you kind of your your post-Boston days I guess you could be looking at it that way you know you were on a, a team a Galway team that was one of the best teams in the country and uh, I suppose what would you you know what would you think was the difference you know I know you had a new manager came, John O'Mahony. Maybe some young players come into the team. But for you, you know, you'd been there kind of toiling along. And uh, then all of a sudden, I know if it's all of a sudden, but next thing you're you're winning all Ireland's and, uh, you know. I know, yeah. Well, like, okay, you, you, you used the phrase there, toiling along. Uh, that was, that, that's the correct phrase. We were, right. You know, we were a Division Three, Division Two, but never a Division One team. Not really at the races at all. Um, John O'Mahony took over, which obviously had a big, big part uh, to it. But equally, we had an influx of about six or seven young players from, we'd say, the same minor team, 1994 minor team, 1990. Um, you know, they were they were 19, 20, 21 year olds, and yeah. when you know, I'm talking about the likes of Porrick Joyce, Michael Donlan, Paul Clancy, Derek Savage, Declan Meehan, Tomas Meehan, John Divley, all these guys. When you put them into the mix with the the kind of grizzled veterans, <laughs> it, it just you know, it 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 kind of you know, it just all came together, and 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 John O'Mahony uh, facilitated that. Yeah. So, you know, these lads came in and they were fearless. They had won Hogan Cups with Jarlitz. They Now, they never won an All-Ireland minor. They contested a final against Kerry. And it's funny to see the, you know, the two team sheets from, you know, from that match. Kerry, none of their players went on to do anything significant at senior, whereas seven or eight of the Galway minor panel won senior medals. So it's funny how it goes. But, um, yeah, look at I remember John that apartment opposite the Kearney Hospital. He rang, you know, maybe midway through July. I think he had got the job. Yeah. And he was ringing myself and Decky to see what our story was. And I said, look, we'll be home, right? We'll be home. But, you know, you just knew from talking to him that here was a serious guy. He was um, organized. And, like, he had managed Mayo to an All-Ireland final in 1989. So... You know, he had plenty of experience as well. But, you know, it started us on a journey that lasted, I would say, from the winter of 97 all the way to, I would say, 
2003. Yeah. Uh, so we were there for, you know, for five or six years. We were, I won't say we were the best team in the country, but we were pretty darn close to being the best. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so John O'Mahony even, even was reaching out while you were away. He wasn't waiting for fellas to come back. He was touching base as soon as he, uh, as soon as he got the job to, to make sure this, he probably was making his plans before he got the job, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, he absolutely. Had people lined up, you know, who he wants to, to reach out to. So even before he didn't wait for you to get back, he was he was on the phone straight away. Straight away, yeah. Like he, he um, you know, he, he made sure to touch all bases, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so no, like he, our, our very first meeting with him would have been in the Sacre Coeur Hotel, which is now demolished. It's in Salt Hill. All right. Uh, it was it was early September. I think I was back from Boston maybe about a week, two weeks, and then yeah. just straight into training. Yeah. That was it. Just before Christmas. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Well, you see, you had the league matches before Christmas oh, then. So That's right, yeah. yeah. The league was in the, the autumn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, and I suppose just thinking about that, you know, um, as a as a an intercounty athlete, did you find then, you know, when you were going out to to join a squad, that was going to be at the very least in the mix? That you, did you find it made a difference to your own motivation? Um, well, I, I suppose you're always motivated, Sean. I know that. But yeah, but did it um, kind of make it a little easier where you're like, you know, give you a little boost? Well, I think, you know, I think every player that, you know, plays inter county football, you know, their dream is to win an All Ireland final in Crow Park. Now, yeah. we were toiling, as you said, for a few years, but just just when when he came in, when these young lads all came in, you could kind of sense that we were going in the right direction. Um, yeah. You know, and that we, you know, that we ha- we possibly might have a chance here, and also the fact that we'd say Galway's tradition, you know, in Gaelic football is very very strong. We're we're third on the list, uh, you know, Dublin or sorry, Kerry first, Dublin I think second, and and ourselves third, uh, you know, of, of of Sam Maguire winners. So, um, you know, did it give extra motivation? Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, we had a mantra where, um. You know, the mantra was, what's the most you can do right now, you know, to make sure that you win whenever the final was, right? So you'd be asking yourself the question every single day, like, you know, am I doing everything right now today to help me win and all that? It was kind of a form of brainwashing, like, you know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in terms of motivation, uh, yeah, it you know, it's, 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 it's multiplied, I suppose, your motivation. But the funny thing is, Yes, I always dreamed about winning in All Ireland, but I always felt that if I won one All Ireland, that I'd be, you know, my appetite would be sated forever, right, right. or satisfied. But it actually made things worse. <laughs> you know, you 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 celebrated your your All Ireland, but you wanted the second one even more. Right. And you know, you you can you can you can now it's it's. It's one thing wanting it even more, but it's so, so difficult to do it, right? That's why 
like my admiration for the Dublin, the present Dublin team, the thing that I admire most about them is, you know, they're obviously fabulous footballers and all that, but where do they get the collective motivation to go, go, go again? Because, like, we didn't have that. I mean, okay, we won a second All-Ireland, but to go, you know, as a collective for five, six, seven years on the trot, that's just... You know, yeah. very, very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, and I suppose when you consider the fact that GAA sports are amateur sports and you put so much effort, you know, of your own time, your own effort, uh, and it's all geared towards towards winning in All-Ireland, that to, to turn around and pick yourself up to try and do it again must be must be very hard. Oh, it is, yeah, and I mean, I, I, like, I will say that when Kerry beat us in two thousand after a replay, that it was, you know, it was a huge. Dis- it was probably, you know, the biggest. It took me ages to get over it. I mean, I, I remember. Okay, we played the replay on a Saturday. Yeah. And <clears throat> I remember the following Thursday. I don't even know if I'd gone back to work at this stage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, following Thursday the curtains were pulled uh, in the house that I was living in in, in Galway City at the time and um, I, I forget now whether it was my wife or my mom that came in and kind of opened the curtains and told me look at it's time now to you know to, to move on get back into the routine like you know yeah. it was just it was such a disappointment Jeez. but um, we we you know, we fixed that the following year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've often wondered that, you know, as a kind of a observer, you know, just thinking about um, the emotions that you must go through is to lose <clears throat> an All-Ireland final must be, like, just so devastating after everything you've put into it. And then you yeah. get to the last game, and especially in your case or that Galway team's case after a replay, yeah, you know, it must be just so devastating. Oh, it was, yeah. But then we'd say the following year against Mead, you know, the the final whistle there was different to '98, three years previous. '98 was just pure elation, yeah. whereas against, you know, because there was a sense of, did we, you know, you couldn't really believe it. Um, that, that you beaten Kildare. Yeah, that you won in All Ireland, but yeah. then the we'd say the match against Mead when the final whistle went, it was just a feeling of, it was less elation, but just a lot more satisfaction. You know, it was, you know, it was a, it was a different feeling, but it was, it was a lovely feeling at the same time. It was kind of like a a mission accomplished type of feeling more than a, I can't just, I can't believe we just did this. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Was there any point in '98 where you thought that um, I think we can win this? Not not during the game necessarily, but along the way maybe. Where you thought, geez, you know, I think we have a real shot at, at winning this All Ireland. Oh, I, I like I would I, I would have felt that all along from day oh, one. I'm, yeah. Uh, especially because our first match that year would have been against Mayo, who yeah. had contested the previous two finals. And we bet them in Castle Bar. And, you know, 
once you know once you've once you've won a game against the previous two finalists, you know, especially your near neighbours and your rivals, I mean yes. that that gave us a huge boost at the start of the season. Like you took a you took the big a big scalp right right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, and and like that gave us huge belief. Yeah, yeah. And was there any are there any moments in any? Uh, I suppose that first game against against Kildare, you know, you had it. You were playing against a team that was managed by one of the the legendary managers in Mick O'Dwyer, um, yeah. and it was kind of, if I recall, it was touch and go for a while. Any moments in that game that stand out for you? I know you were marking a fella called Eddie McCormick, who was very fast, very fast, fast player, yeah, and like. Past uh, half forward. Any kind of moments that stand out for you in that? Well, I suppose the the, the second half, uh, because we we started well, but then Kildare got on top, and I think we were three points down at half time. You know, kind of a, a lead that could very easily, you know, get fairly horrible quickly in the second half. But yeah, yeah, in the second half, all our forwards seemed to just catch fire. And me as a defender, I had a bird's eye view of that. And right. Like for about 20 minutes, everything they touched just, you know, we just built such a momentum up in the second half. So it was like, you know, you asked me, do I have any memories? Like that would be my memory. Not having a lot to do with it, but they they just, you know, Jeff Allen's sideline points. That's and right. Finnegan had, 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 a, had a super game. Yeah, um, yeah. Joyce scoring the goal, but it's just, um, you know, now Kildare kind of came back into it towards the, um, you know, maybe for five, ten minutes, they had a, a shot at goal, a kind of a speculative shot that got deflected over the bar, but yeah. I think we were in control, really. Yeah, yeah. Do you think about the ones you, which ones do you think of, which which Ireland do you think about more? The one you lost or the ones you won? Oh, the one the one you lose, always. The one you um, regret. Yeah, it, it, yeah, the regret. And also, I mean, in we'd say, okay, we, we lost against um, uh, against Kerry after a replay. I felt that if we had beaten Kerry with the age profile of the team, we might have nicked another one before the team went on the decline. Whereas... See what you mean. I think... I, I think if you know by beating Mead because of the type of characters that we had on the squad, the following year was probably a year off, and then you were into 2003. Yeah, could have. I mean, we were we, we played against Donegal in a quarter final um replay up in Castle Bar. You know, Donegal that was the year Armagh won the All Ireland, but you know, we, we kind of would have talked amongst ourselves saying, well, maybe if we got over Donegal on the replay, because we had a few injuries as well yeah. that would have been back for a semi-final against Armagh. You know, you'd kind of half fancy your chances, but look, at, I think every, I think everybody or every serious sports person who's motivated always think about the ones that they didn't win way quicker than the ones that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, I suppose you're probably, you know, thinking about how much more you you could have done or might have yeah. done 
Yeah. But you also played um, for Ireland against yeah. the Aussies. And, uh, you know, I, it's your you're, it's amateurs. And you mightn't look at it that way, um, but uh, amateur players against professionals. What would you say, you know, for the Irish guys in those but games think- was the big, biggest kind of challenge or, you know, the hardest part about playing against these Australian rules. I mean, those lads are physical specimens. I mean, GAA players are fit as fiddles as well. But, you know, maybe at that time you didn't have as much an emphasis on the weight training and gym training as you do now. So that aspect of the game mightn't have been as emphasized, whereas the Aussies would have been doing all that. Yeah. You know, why, why would you, I suppose, what was the hardest part about playing against the Aussies? Well, I think I think we had a big big advantage with the with the round football. So my own motivation going into the matches is okay. You know they might be that bit stronger than me, and uh, that bit. You know, no, there wasn't a huge gap. Um, they might be that bit more physically conditioned than me. But the fact that we're playing with a ball that I have played with since I was two years of age, don't yeah. tell me that any Aussie rules player is going to teach me a lesson on how to play with an O'Neill's football. Yeah. Now, I, I felt it was a slightly unfair advantage. You know. Oh, really? I, well, in some ways, yeah. Because yeah. like, if, if I had to play with the with the kangaroo, <laughs> uh, I'd have, you know, I'd have, I'd have found it very difficult. But... Um, like the thing about the international rules was that all the players that I played with, um, you know, they would have they would have thought that it was a huge, huge privilege to play for Ireland. They were chuffed yeah. to, to have been selected. Um, the camaraderie on the trips would have been absolutely superb. Now there would have been stick from home saying that it was a junket, right? Right. But, you know, yeah, we we had five days after the matches to to let the hair down. But whilst the games were going on, um, you know, players took it fairly seriously. Yeah. Um. Now, you you know, in interest, you 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 mentioned there that, uh, you know, that the Aussies were what a, what was it like to play against them? Well, the first time we played against them in 1999 abroad. In, in Australia, I actually stayed out there for, I took a career break from teaching and I stayed out there for uh, six months after. And I managed to wangle my way into uh, joining the Sydney Swans for their entire preseason training. All right. so, so I got to see firsthand what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Now, we say at the time I would have been playing obviously with Galway, we were one of the top teams in the country at home. So, you know, it was a fair comparison to see, you know, what they were at. So I would have felt that in terms of, you know, their aerobic lung capacity, they were uh, probably at a slightly higher level than than your ordinary intercounty footballer. When it came to the weights room. I kind of felt that I held my own. Um, so it was just interesting, but I suppose the big difference was that they were professionals. They had 
dedicated time to rest and recover. Whereas, you know, poor old inter-county footballer has to go to work the next day. So your yeah. your next training session isn't going to be as as um you know as as effective. But no, it like that was a great experience for me. And it, it was interesting too that it was tight my my official role within the Sydney Swans at the time was to look after Ty Kennelly because he, as a 17-year-old, was just starting out. Ah, they, yeah. felt that, they felt that he might have been homesick, so it, it would be nice for him to have an Irish accent at training every day. So, you know, yeah. we, we, we'd we bump into each other the odd time, you know, no, not too much because he's obviously in Australia, but, um, you know, we always have a laugh, like, about those times, you know. I mean, he, he, you know, he comes across as this uh, uh, smooth talking kind of a guy, for, you know, but he was he was very green back then, I'll tell you. <laughs> and then he went to one in All Ireland with Kerry. He did, yeah. He yeah, did. He, did. Yeah, he came yeah. back. So, so yeah, that's interesting. The the recovery, like the main difference you'd see is with the full time athletes is that. Um, they have time to recover after a game or after a hard training session to set themselves up for the next one rather than, you know, using your first one after a after a match to recover nearly. Yeah, and 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 on top of that, Rory, um, you know, the difference in in the weather. Uh, you know, the weather over there was very conducive to, you know, training outside. You know, there was they had they had more variety in their training as well. I remember every Friday, uh, what they do is they'd have this um, orienteering competition. They'd break the squad up into groups of four or five, and off you'd go on a ten k run. Like, but it would you know you'd have to run to various points, and you know there was there was swimming pools being used. Um, there was uh, there was experts there for. You know, they were they were more professional. There was yeah. you know more of a backroom staff yeah. compared to the Gaelic, you know. But I th- I think the gap is closing now, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, when you look at uh, the amount of of money that a lot of county boards are spending on their inter county teams, and you know now you've got nutritionists and sports psychologists, and you know if you're I suppose a county that's thinking of taking a serious tilt at an All-Ireland, it seems like you have to adopt more of that type of approach. Like would oh, you you do, yeah. And that that has that, from your own days when you were a player to, to today, you know, it's, would you say it's a drastically different landscape in that regard for the inter-county players? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I like I would. When I was playing, you could make a case for a lot of counties that they could be successful. You yeah. know, if they'd have been enough, if, if the draw went right. Um, whereas now, you know, being realistic about it, there's only three or four teams that are capable of winning, you know, the big prizes. Um, some counties, and I, I'm not going to name any of them, but, you know, I really don't know how... Uh, players could dedicate themselves to training all year round when realistically they haven't a hope of winning anything. 
And like, how do you address that? I don't know. Um, I mean, our county teams in Ireland are based on, you know, county boundaries. Right. And there are some counties that have 40, 50,000 people as a population versus other counties that have hundreds of thousands. And it's just, you know, I don't know what the solution is. Maybe, I don't know, join up counties. Uh, you know, the, the tiered system, I think there's merit in that. Um, yeah. Like if I was a player and if I was playing for a tier two county, I'd prefer to play in a tier two competition where I might win something rather than, you know, swimming with the sharks, whereas yeah. you won't win that. Yeah, I, I kind of <clears throat> wonder would you it see it seems like it's it's kind of uh that right now you know is the you'd ask the question is the intercounty game as as we know it kind of at risk for a lot of smaller counties having trouble getting the best players to play for the county you know whereas like you know the club championships uh, any a club from a small county can win an All Ireland Club Championship. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah. so if you're thinking, you know, as a player from a small county, but you're with a strong club, are you going to say, well, you know, I want to put my efforts into winning an All Ireland for my club? You know, so I suppose it's it's one of those things where there's you know there's mention of um, the possibility. I know someone floated. Uh, uh, an idea for hurling to try and you know look at having a, an Ulster team yeah. in the Ireland Hurling Championship, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, my own thoughts on where the whole thing is going. Is would you think that could be a you know a model for some smaller counties for an All Ireland? You know, along the lines of say in Kerry, they have the regional club, the the all the club championship where you have regional teams. Something similar to that on an inter-county level? I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I, like, the, the question, I think, is, are we seeing all the best players in both codes, uh, you know, are, are we seeing them on TV? Are we giving them a chance to maximise their potential as either a hurler or a footballer? Yeah. With the way the structure is now? No, you're not. So, yeah. like, let's say you're a footballer and you're born in, in, you know, and you have the potential to be another Con O'Callaghan, and you're born in, let's say, everybody everybody says Leitrim as an example, so I'll just fire it out there. But you're born in Leitrim, right? Like, I don't think it's fair that a potential Con O'Callaghan born in Leitrim should not, uh, you know, should be prevented from developing his maximum potential because of where he's from but you know then the other side of the coin is the reason the ga is so good is because of where you're from yeah yeah and that's that's the part you don't want to lose is it's the um you know people define themselves in a lot of ways as to how their county team does you know yeah, yeah. i can remember one time been out at the irish festival and I met a, someone introduced me to a fella and I says to him, where are you from? And he says, oh, I'm from Clare. And I says, geez, you're very happy about that. 
<laughs> since he won the All Ireland, I'm fucking delighted to tell everyone. From yeah, 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 yeah. No, so it's um, yeah, it's definitely a, a balancing act, you know. But I suppose it's it's not up to us <laughs> to make those decisions. No, 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 no. But like they would say, the the um, things are a bit skewed at the moment because of how well I'm I'm thinking in terms of football because of how powerful the Dublin team are. Yeah. Like if if you remove them from the equation, you know, or even if they fell back a small bit, which which I think they eventually will. Um, even though you know there are some people saying oh they'll win ten in a row or whatever. Um, you know, but I know. Once they lose some of their real leaders, you know, I think they might fall back into the pack and you mightn't have as much of a conversation around what we're just having there, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe when the door opens a bit. But um, I suppose the bottom line is you do have to feel for, and, you know, out here, I suppose you'd see some of those players coming over here to play for a summer. And you look at some of them playing out there on the field in Canton and, you know, some hurlers. <clears throat> and you say to yourself, Jesus, they're superb players. <clears throat> and it's yeah. an awful shame yeah. that, you know, other people don't get to see these guys playing, you know, Absolutely. because they're yeah. with the smaller county. Um, <clears throat> but on the dubs, yeah, I mean, obviously, from my perspective, you know, <laughs> I'm, I suppose we're looking at it from a, a Dublin supporters perspective and, uh, you know, I who would have thought that Dublin would have won five All-Irelands in a row or seven out of the last nine All-Irelands. But I do agree with you in that, you know, <clears throat> um, there are, so I, I think there are one or two key players on that team that once they retire, I think it'll, um, it'll sort of even things out a bit again, you know, and you've got Jim Gavin has retired and Desi Farrell's taken over and things are, you know, you're seeing, obviously, you know, Desi is a very capable um, manager and, uh, but just with changes, you know, with changes, you might see things, you know, change a little bit in that regard. But on that point, Parik Joyce has taken over the Galway team and, um, you know, Galway do, you know, they they'd mounted. I think the last year or two, they've, you know, they gave the Dubs a good run a couple of years ago, um, with Damien Comer there at full forward. <laughs> he, had, he had a tremendous game, um, one year, and uh, I suppose. What do you think of the, um, what do you think of the prospects for Galway, or or you know, how does it look to you from, from a Galway perspective about? you know, prospects for the Galway football team anyway. Yeah, well, I think, I suppose in order that Galway are contenders, I think, like I said there a few minutes ago, that Dublin have to fall back a small bit. But if Dublin do fall back, I think Galway are as well placed as any other team to take advantage of that. There was a lovely momentum built up by the Galway team you know, there was two league matches left. Their next match was against Mayo. Uh, they were looking odds on to qualify for the league final. I saw them play in three out of their four league matches uh, live. I was actually at the matches. And what struck me was that, okay, you know, they were concerned with defending, but they were even more concerned with attacking, which 
compared to the way that they were, would have been playing the previous five or six years, you know, that's a change in emphasis. The likes of Shane Welch, Damien Comer, um, you know, these guys were, well, more so Shane Welch. Anytime he got the ball, he'd be a lot closer to the scoring goal than, you know, in years previous. Mm. Um, you know, Porik would have a different emphasis on managing the team compared to Kevin. Kevin, I suppose, was more about uh, solidity and prevention and, you know, of, of opposition getting scores and that. And, he, you know, he did a great job at that. But I think people were getting a bit impatient in Galway here. They, you know, we, we, we know that we had some attacking talents, but we mm. weren't seeing them. They were being used as, <laughs> you know, defensive players. So, um, now, will the coronavirus, will it stop Galway's momentum? Who knows? Um you know, that's the big unknown. That said, now I know it's only a club, but we saw Corafin last uh, last weekend in Galway here playing the club championship. And, you know, they were just superb. So you'd kind of hope maybe that whatever momentum Galway had, that, you know, they might be able to hold on to some of it. But certainly, um, you know, the, the, the vibe around Galway in terms of um, the football is good. You know, they do say that Galway are like mushrooms that overnight that we can just come out of nowhere and, you know, so you'd be like, that's that's what happened with the team I was on. So, yeah, yeah. you know, so you'd hope maybe that uh, something like that might happen. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose maybe Paparik Joyce being a forward himself, that might be. That might be part of why that's where his emphasis lies, is is in the attacking side of the game. Yeah, and, and also his personality. Um, yeah. Horik is, uh, you know, in a football sense, he gives off the vibe that he is, you know, that you shouldn't fear anybody. And I mean, like, okay, if I said the word arrogant, that would sound you know, bad. I mean, arrogant in the best possible sense. That's the type of personality he has. If he was playing against Dublin, he, he would feel, you know, if he was, if Johnny Cooper was marking them or Philly McMahon or Keno Sullivan, he would feel that these guys wouldn't be fit to lace his boots in, in, in a, you know, in a, in a non-arrogant way. So, you know, they say that a team reflects a person, you know, the manager's personality. So I think you're seeing a bit of that as well. With the yeah. Galway team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's um, a lot of changes. I suppose the virus is bringing a lot of changes, and um, uh, you know, if and I suppose the prospects aren't looking too good. But if there is an inter-county championship that's run along the lines that are being proposed where it's a straight knockout format, kind of like going all the way back to the old provincial format and semi-finals and a final, that, you know, that might give, would you agree, some some of the other counties apart from Dublin uh, a shot? It does, yeah, because, you you know, the, say with the new format, uh, as in the way the championship was run in the last few years, you know the chances of a of a shock knockout or a knockout blow. You know they were gone. Whereas yeah. if they run it off the way they're going to propose to run it off, 
um, you know, that gives, like Dublin only have to be beaten once. Right. So, you know, that, that, that gives you a chance. Um, now, that said, you know, I like we're in lockdown now in Kildare, Leash and Offaly. So, mm. uh, like, there is a chance that the inter-county uh, competition or competitions may not be, you know, feasible to run off. I, I'm just, you know, even if even if every county participates, right, and hopefully Kildare, Leash and Offaly will come out of lockdown, I just feel that, you know, because there'll be no crowds at the matches, it looks like, I just feel that whoever wins the All-Ireland this year, that not, not that it, you know, tainted probably is the wrong word, but I don't know if it would mean as much, um, you know, in light of what's going on. I might be completely wrong. It might mean a lot more, but I just feel, um, you know, the way things have gone and that, and it's not, not I'm the most optimistic person in the world, but, um, you know, I just, I don't know if whoever lifts the cup next December, isn't it the last Sunday before Christmas that, you know, that will it, will it mean as much or will it be to some extent tainted? And I suppose yeah. that, that that kind of brings into you know, my own thoughts there is, you know, for, for someone who's playing, uh, playing in front of the crowd, like players want to play in front of, you want people to come to the games to watch them. And if you're playing in an empty stadium, you know, it might be harder for players to respond, you know. Um, yeah, well, that's, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. fo- 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 football is an emotional game too. So, yeah. you know, the crowd contributes to that. So, yeah. um, you know, like for example, like definitely the dubs will be at a loss because the hill will no longer be there. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and also, I mean, the fact that Croke Park won't be full. I mean, yeah. you know, I love watching the Dubs play in Croke Park and that's where every player wants to play. But there's, there's no two ways about it. It does give them an advantage. But if it's empty, <laughs> it won't be as big right. an, a, of an advantage. But yeah, you know, people will be saying to me, oh, it's a home game for Dublin. You know, they're that's it's unfair, and I tell them no. Crow Park's a neutral stadium. That's <laughs> that's not yeah. Dublin. So I said, imagine if Dublin were playing in Parnell Park, you'd never beat them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You'd have a better chance, I think. I think Dublin actually would have a better chance. You know, I mean, I went to a one of the, one of the uh, the times I was home there last. I went to a, a league match between Dublin and Mayo in Crow Park and uh, you know I don't know there was a good maybe 30 or 40 thousand in there but I'd say at least half the crowd were from Mayo and uh, you know it's a night game under lights it was a good atmosphere you know Dublin ended up winning easy like Mayo I'm not sure what happened to them but uh, but you know it uh, I I suppose it it has to be an advantage when the, the stadium's in your home city and you play there so often but I suppose. What else are you going to do? You know, it's like Sean Kelly, MEP, says, if you're going to beat Dublin, there's no better place to beat them than Crow Park. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, that's true. That's true. That's true. But anyway, I think uh, thanks for your time. Not at all, Rory. Thank you. 
Next on the show, we have Ali Dewey from Dunloy County Antrim. Ali has spent time in Boston playing with Father Tom's, winning a championship last year. We'll talk to Ali about the Antrim hurling rivalries, his time in Boston, as well as ask for his thoughts about the notion of an Ulster team. So, Ali, thanks for joining us this morning. And, uh, you know, I hope things are going well <coughs> at home. I know in uh, back in Ireland, there's uh, there's been some restrictions with the coronavirus. And uh, with yourself, you're in Dublin right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all, Roy. Um, but, yeah, probably not much going on with the, with the lockdown and everything. Um, probably having a lot of crack for you at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, working in Dublin um, since I got back from Boston at Christmas, really. And then um, we were on the lockdown, I think, March. So I was off for about three months. So we're just sort of getting back into working that now. But Dublin's very quiet. So I've been coming home mostly at the weekends just because there's, there's not a lot happening or not a lot to do. Right, right. You, um, but traveling, traveling between across the border, between the north and south, you're, are you seeing any differences there with the, the restrictions, you know, even when it comes to the GAA matches or training or even just going out, you know, out and about? Um, yeah, I suppose. I think maybe... The South has been a bit more prepared at times because in the North we kind of have to follow the UK guidelines. So, um, yeah, just small things you would notice, like the wearing of the mask and that seemed to come in sooner in the South. And then with the GA, um, when it started up again, I know people were fit to play matches in the South. And then up in the North, we were allowed to train again. But we weren't allowed to play matches for a few weeks. We were sort of a few weeks behind. And there's a few clubs heading to Donegal and things just to get friendlies. Um, <laughs> which is a bit crazy. But I suppose people are just keen to get back at it and, and get the touch in again. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of uh, the paradox of the whole thing, I suppose, where you have, uh, you know, the border and such close proximity that clubs can, can go and do that, which I suppose is great for the clubs. To be able to, you know, but but having two different policies on the same, I suppose, relatively small landmass is kind of yeah, it's definitely yeah, strange. Makes no sense in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, that, that's the easiest way to put it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're still are you involved with you're still involved with uh, Dunloy, your own club, but you're doing a bit of training in Dublin. Yeah, I was back training with Illinois and um, then I got that job in Dublin. So one of the lads actually I was very friendly with in Boston, um, Dublin fella, I lived with him for a while, uh, said to me about training with his club during the week rather than travelling. So I was training with Eve Borrowed um, in Dublin there at the north side and just training with them and then I actually got injured at their training so I tore ligaments in my knee and my season's over now so oh, I was looking forward to getting back playing with Illinois but after being away for a year or so and but it's not going to happen anytime soon no that's is that's a real shame and that'll take you a while to recover from that yeah just rehab to do now and possibly need surgery I just sort of have to see how that goes over the next few weeks uh, that's terrible. 
Um, they must be training pretty hard there, or is it just that you were out so long and you went back? Um, I don't really know. I think it's maybe just one of those things that can happen to anyone at any time. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, just, just a bad look. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you recover soon anyway. Um, and what got you, you know, you, you're you with Dunloy up in Antrim where there's, uh, you know, you've got a, a, a big hurling tradition up there. And what got you started or what got you interested in hurling? Was it a kind of a family thing? Or was yeah, it... I think if you grow up in Dunloy, you're going to be involved in the GA at some stage. Um, the people around here, particularly in North Antrim, are just mad for hurling. So, um yeah, I just started at a very young age. Um, I've been playing with them ever since, and it's just a way of life here. I think just people here are as passionate about the GA as they are anywhere else in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, and for hurling in particular, particularly in North Antrim, yeah, definitely more hurling. You have Luckill and Kishindall, Dunloy, just that sort of pocket is mad for hurling. We're yeah. we're probably the only dual club um, in North Antrim really at senior grade um, right. so yeah it's just definitely all hurling in North Antrim but um, then you have the Belfast clubs as well uh, right. a lot of dual clubs there but it's a big uh, passion for hurling too in Belfast so I think there's a good mix in Antrim yeah, which, where would you say now would the rivalry would be keener I suppose is it between the the clubs that'll be that'll be up in the the glens, or would it be between the clubs in the glens and the city clubs in Belfast? Um, oh, well, we would have a big history now with Lockheel. They'd be our biggest rivals, and then Kishindall would be probably just as big a rivalry. But it's more so because we're always competing against each other. I mean, the last twenty years, the Antrim Championship winners has been shared between. Dunloy, Kishindall, and Lockheel. I think the last winner outside of that was 2004, I think. It was maybe Rossa up in Belfast. So, yeah, it's a tense rivalry between those three clubs, Dunloy, Kishindall, Lockheel, just because we're always there, thereabouts. It's sort of shared between us, the championship, I suppose, or it has been. And it would go back generations, I'm sure. Yeah, and we're very close proximity too. I mean, Luckhill's probably, their pitch is a 10-minute drive from ours, so Kishindall's is another 20 minutes on top of that. Right. Um, and you're always running in DHR and stuff and mixing in that, so. <laughs> <laughs> you always want to have the, the bragging rights, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. I suppose yeah. it's the same, same everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and, you know, a lot of those clubs have had a lot of success um you know not only like you said winning the antrim county championship but when they get out of antrim um you have um you know the clubs you mentioned have gotten to all ireland senior finals and i think um yeah cushioned all would have been the last ones to make it yeah um and then lucky won it obviously in 2012 we've been beaten in Four All Ireland finals, so it's quite a while now since we've we've been there. But I think our last final appearance was uh, two thousand three. Um, yeah. The last All Ireland semi final was two thousand nine, beat by Port Tumna. 
All right, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Um, that's uh, Joe Cannon's you know, club. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably one of the best hurlers in the country. Yeah, and they're probably one of the best club teams yeah. ever to come through as well. Maybe them or Bala Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, so the clubs in Antrim are, are able to, you know, are able to compete at the national level when it comes to, to the club championships. Um, and you spent uh, a couple of summers in Boston, which I suppose is where I, I got to know you, so to speak, from reporting on the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you came out to Tom's, you know, what are your, I suppose, what are your impressions of Boston and and uh, the Hurling or the GAA in Boston. I'm sure you enjoyed uh, it if, if you came back a second time. <laughs> yeah, I went for a summer, just uh, um, finished up at university. So just wanted to go for a summer to play Hurling. And I just love Boston. And got friendly with one of the lads there who'd finished university as well. We'd both just graduated and we knew we could get the visa. So we ended up going back for another year. Um, but no, I absolutely love Boston. I love playing out there. Um, I think the 13 aside suits me and just the atmosphere and stuff out at the games. There's always a good buzz around because there's always a few matches on between the football and hurling every Sunday. And the weather helps too, obviously, when you're playing matches in a dry pitch. Sort of, It's just a nice atmosphere, I suppose. <laughs> Would you find it's easier to play, just actually play when you've got... You know, I suppose you wouldn't have as as much boggy kind of ground. Do you find it's easier to play hurling, especially in those conditions? Even though, you know, obviously a lot of people who come out would talk about the heat, where you can get some really hot days. You know, yeah, I think the, the heat's tough, but you do get used to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely get used to it. Um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's tough, but. Um, the 13 aside is a good game it's a fast game so I think you get you do get some really good matches and you being a corner forward I know well I've seen you out here in Boston yeah. corner forward um, I'm not sure where you play um, at home but uh, yeah no it would usually be corner forward right so you'd see you find I'm not, yourself I'm not very versatile <laughs> <laughs> You'd find yourself having a bit more room, and if you know, with the bit of speed, you can find the space is easier. Yeah, definitely. Well, thirteen aside helps with that, and the pitch yeah. in Boston is great as well. It's a very big pitch. Yeah. I think everyone that comes out, that's one of the first things they say when they go to play their first game in Canton. <laughs> they look at the pitch and probably then realise it's thirteen aside and wonder what the. <laughs> yeah, and it's maybe thirty-five degrees heat as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a it's a far cry from where we used to play. I've been out here a long time. We used to play, and um, actually, at the previous uh, with Sean Ogdeper, who I talked to before uh, this, we were talking. He played in, in Delboy too. It was uh, much small. It was still thirteen inside, but the pitch was so much tighter. Yeah, it was I was in the city, was it? It was uh, in Somerville, which was just the other side of the city, and it was yeah. like. Uh, uh, public or a metropolitan district commission football pitch, like a high school football stadium. Right. It had right. a track around it, but we were able to squeeze maybe maybe 130 yards in length out of the pitch, if you included the end zones. 
but it was still very narrow. And uh, so the game, the game back then was much more physical because you were at close quarters. And to be quite honest with you, when I think about Hurland, I just, uh, I'm not sure how we managed to play Hurland matches <laughs> on that pitch, but we did. Um, but uh, yeah, then moving to Canton, Canton, like, and, and that field was just a luxury for anyone who's who remembers Dillboy. Uh, we actually had dressing rooms with warm water in Canton. <laughs> yeah, Canton's a great facility, in fairness. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so would you, um, I suppose, if, if you had the choice, would you would you come out on a more permanent um, kind of basis to Boston? Yeah, I would love to go back out to Boston again. Um, I was on a graduate visa, so it only lasts 13 months in total. Um, and then the company I worked for, they could have sponsored me, but it's a lottery system nowadays. So um, I think it's five grand they have to pay, and then you're entered into a lottery. And, you, you know, there's no guarantee you get it. You have three goes at it, but there's no guarantee you get it, and it takes quite a while to process. So, yeah. Um, and probably at the minute, it's not a good time to be applying as well. I think all the visas are cancelled actually at the moment, so I don't really know what's happening. But um, oh. but yeah, I love I love to get back to Boston definitely. Yeah, and and it was Tom's he came out. It was I know Tom's um, over the years. Mm-hmm. They have a uh, they've had several players from Antrim come over. Um, I remember Brian McFall uh, playing with Tom's. Uh, amongst others, was, a, was it a kind of a through an Antrim connection? Uh, well, the, conne- the connection was, yeah, my cousin actually, Shane Dewey, had played for them the year before um, uh-huh. and he had great reports on them, so I wanted to go as well. And then, um, the, do you know Kieran Moore? He's yep. bigly involved with the Toms. Um, so his his wife is actually from Dunloy, and then it was Kieran's brother in law. Uh, sorted it for me, got in contact with them, so that's how I end up going over. Ah, very good, very good. And you won last year, and you got uh, you got the winning goal, so to speak. I think I think it was a tight game when you scored that goal. Yeah, we were probably I think we were losing the entire match, and that was I think maybe the only time we were in front. So um, <laughs> to go away, lads, we got it. But yeah, it was nice to win one, especially. When I was heading home and I'd played for the Toms for two years, so we lost it the year before in the That's final. Cool. So it was nice to win something with Toms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They we, looked after they looked after all as well. So it was definitely nice to, you know, it means a lot to the people that are out there all year round. So it was definitely nice to leave with, on a winning note with the with the Boston Championship medal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's nice, you know. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, it's always uh, nice to win something as well. Yeah, something you can look back on. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've heard it said that it's hard to win a championship no matter what it is. So. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I think the standard the standard is quite good out there as well. Obviously, it changes every year because you have different players coming out, so you never really know who you're going to get or or what they're like. Yeah. Um, obviously, apart from the county players that you've seen on TV and stuff before, but um, but no, you, you do get some great games. Um, I say it's just funny the way it changes, sort of every year. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, that was one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, coming from Antrim and uh, where you play your hurling there. Mm-hmm. And then you'd come out to Boston. That's sort of one thing I suppose I experienced myself when I played was, um, you know, where I was in Dublin. How did you find it, you know, playing hurling, um, you know, with both with, you know, you're training with and playing with guys from, I suppose, some of the, the hurling, strong hurling parts of Ireland, like, you know, Wexford, Kilkenny, Tipperary and down around there. Yeah. Um, you know, and also against some some of these guys in all last year. Last year, um, you had a, a couple of All-Ireland winners on your team. And Connor Whelan and Jack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you know how was that? Just um, just going out and hurling with fellas from all over the country. How did you? Yeah, did you it was very. Uh, yeah, it was very enjoyable, as you say. Being from Antrim, so geographically we're not that close, so and we're not at the top levels, so we're not really playing against the best all the time. Um, so I actually enjoyed playing with lads from Kilkenny and Tipperary and hurling against them and just seeing the difference, sort of. Um, I think at club level, I, I don't think the standard in the top teams in Antrim at club level, I don't think the standard anywhere else is any better, really. Right, I think it's much right. of a muchness. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a good experience to play with all our lads and just you know, you have as much in common with someone from Cork as you do here. You know, we just brought up with the GA, and that's sort of the same f- traditions in that as everyone. And in particular, in particular, I suppose the hurling, because um, with the football being, I, I suppose you could say, so much more prevalent, and hurling is, uh, you know, even in, you know, you've got a, a certain number of counties where hurling is really strong and then there are some counties where it hardly exists and the only county where football really is is missing is Kilkenny I think the other 31 counties all you know football is a big thing there so I I imagine the bond between hurlers is probably pretty strong just because you're all you all identify not just as you know GAA members or players or athletes but but hurlers in particular. Yeah, I think I realised whenever I went out to Boston that, geez, yeah, football is probably a much bigger sport because there's a lot more money spent on it, and there's a lot more footballers go out every year as well, and there's just more there's more senior teams as well. Um, mm-hmm. In Boston alone, I think it's the same in New York and San Fran and everywhere. Definitely, football is a bigger sport. Yeah, in general. But um, but I, yeah and um, you know I've heard a lot of hurlers, especially hurlers from around Kilkenny, talking about <laughs> taking a knife to the football. <laughs> yeah, and they they you know the small ball game is the only game. Um, and speaking, I suppose speaking of county, you know county teams like you've got like we talked about some really strong, you know hurling clubs in Antrim that. I've had success um, in all Ireland competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet Antrim, I think the last time, and I remember it, the last time Antrim got to an all Ireland final was um, 89. Yeah, I was actually myself was in London that right. summer as a student, and uh, um, 
they uh, they were beaten well beaten by Tipperary, but in the semi final, like they had a legendary win over Offaly, and uh, one of the abiding scenes was the Offaly team um, clapping the Antrim team off the pitch, because I think uh, in general. Uh, people around the country were were really happy to see Antrim uh, get that far, get to an All-Ireland final. You know, things up the north were, were sort of rough and hot and heavy, and, and there was a lot of goodwill towards Antrim. But uh, Antrim have not had, you know, at a county level, close to that kind of success since. And, um, you know, they're, Antrim are competing in the, the next level down from the Liam McCarthy. And, I suppose. What would you What would you think? Do you think it's just a matter of numbers, or or is it, uh, you know, maybe at uh, county board level they need to kind of try and maybe focus more on the on the county team? Is it rivalries between the clubs? You know, you've heard about Galway for for years not been yeah. able to get it together at the county level because there's too much <laughs> rivalry between the clubs. What would your thoughts be on on that? Um, well, I suppose back in, in 89, they, they only had to win the Ulster Championship, so Antrim would always be favourites for it anyway. Um, and so that you won Ulster, you were straight into an All-Ireland semi-final. So it was an easier route to get to, to a final. And then they went into the Leinster Championship, and now they're in the Joe McDonough. Um, I'm not really sure. It's it's hard to know with Antrim. There definitely is a big club rivalry, and there's maybe not as much emphasis from the clubs to to get players to go and play for the county. It's maybe not seen as that high of an honour where mm-hmm. it would be in in Kilkenny or Tipperary. But then again, there's the draw that they're they're going to be playing in Croke Park quite often in front of big crowds and everything else that goes with it. So it's kind of harder to motivate yourself to go to Antrim maybe and you're training nowadays as much as any of those teams um, you're putting in the same commitment and you're maybe not getting the same recognition and yeah that's probably a big one I'd say just it's hard to get lads to to give up so much time and commit whenever the recognition and that's maybe not there but I suppose you have to you have to work hard and, and get there and maybe if there's a bit more funding in Antrim and getting more coaches up from the stronger counties or whatever. Um, and then geographically as well, we're really the only, like, predominantly uh, Hurling County, I'd say, in Ulster. So going for a match, challenge matches and that, we always have to travel. So it's, yeah, it's a hard one to know with Antrim. It's always talked about and I don't think there's any easy solution. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting what you say with the old format. Antrim just had to come out of Ulster, and they were in an All Ireland semi final. Um, mm-hmm. And really, Ulster it had to be, you know, down or Derry probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and funny Is enough, some... I was just gonna say my my first cousins in Letterkenny in Donegal, and and one of my cousins played with the the Donegal minor hurlers. And he used to kind of joke that the, the reason he was on the team was he, he actually owned a hurley stick. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe. I, I've actually never even seen any hurlers from Donegal, to be honest. I, I think, is it Burt? It's probably the only club I would, hurling club I would know in Donegal. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But uh, he lived in Letterkenny. And 
Yeah, they used to go playing matches, you know, against team against Derry and you know Tyrone and and that at minor level. But uh, I don't I don't know how successful they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now there's been um, some good players from Derry and Down over the years as well. It hasn't all just been under them, but obviously we've been the most successful. They're just more clubs, hurling clubs than under them. But there's definitely been some really good players from Down and Derry over the years. Mm-hmm. And even even now you have Slack Nail. They've actually beaten us in the last two Ulster finals. So, and they held their own against Bally Hill in the All Ireland semi final the last time they won it. So, um, yeah, there's definitely hurling around, strong hurling around uh, Ulster too. It's not just Antrim as well. Yeah, and and Lavi, I suppose. I know. I don't know if you met him while you were here. There's a fellow by the name of Dominic McGill from Lavi. Right. He played, with, uh, played with Wexford, the Wexford hurlers. Dominic now would have a few years on you, but he, um, you know, Dominic was, he was as good as any of them out there, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd say I know at underage level he definitely played for Derry. I'm not sure at senior county level, you know, if he might have come out here, mm-hmm. he got to that stage. But but uh, you know, there's another example and. Um, I remember years ago there was a, another dairy man, um, Rory Stevenson, who uh, God rest him, I believe he, he passed away since. But he was uh, one of the most watch, at least from my perspective, anyway, watching the matches. And they were in Delby at the time. He was supremely talented hurler, you know. Yeah, superb hurler. So there definitely is is I mean, like you say. There's talent across the board um, in the Ulster counties when it comes to hurling. And I know that uh, there's been an idea floated. Um, and uh, there's I've seen some people speak against it and some people for it. <clears throat> um, and I think, it, you know, in light of the current structure, which seems to have, you know, brought at the highest level more competition into the you know, the quest for the Liam McCarthy, where you've got, you know, it used to be, it was going to be Cork, Tipperary, or Kilkenny. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got Limerick, you had Waterford, got, they didn't win it, but they got to a uh, final. Um, now Dublin have elevated themselves a bit. Wexford are, are in the mix. Clare have won a couple of All-Irelands, you know. So, you know, you've got a lot more counties <coughs> competing for the Liam McCarthy Cup. And uh, I guess an idea was floated for a, an amalgamated Ulster team. And, uh, you know, maybe along the lines of, um, you know, amalgamated teams that some counties run for their club championships where you got regional teams go into a, you know, they might have some junior teams in a region and put them together and, and make a senior team for the club championship. What would you think of that? As, as Would you think it's a non-starter or would you think it's an idea that, you know, not only, you know, on two levels would, um, you know, one level kind of lift hurling in general <coughs> in Ulster, um, but also, um, you know, just for the competition itself, you'd have another or potentially have another, you know, another team in the mix there for the um, for the, the Liam McCarthy Cup. Uh no, I don't really like the idea at all of uh, of an Ulster team entering the the All Ireland. 
Um, first of all, like, where would we train? Where would our home matches be? Um, you know, all sorts of bigger problems as any of the rest of them. So, so we get in a place to train, and everything to suit everyone would, would be very hard. Um, and then it's just I just don't think it's the same. You know, you play you, you're when you're playing for your county, you're representing your own club and your own county and where you're from. And it just wouldn't be the same, I think, uh, if it was an Ulster team. I think it's also an easy, it's an easy thing for people to say, looking from the outside, looking in, or able to say, oh, you're not very good, lads, you should just make a, an amalgamated team there and give it a go. But, um, you know, maybe if we got more investment and in everything, uh, like the other counties, that then we, we could be a bit more competitive. Um, but no, the... The Ulster idea definitely wouldn't be wouldn't be a big fan of that at all. Oh yeah, so I suppose you wouldn't have enough. Um, even though maybe maybe there are some people because I've heard some you know some people speak for it, but uh, you'd need to have everybody on board and and everyone committed. I yeah, suppose, that's it. To uh, to to make it a success, I guess. Um, you know, and, and I suppose that's one of the things about the GAA is, you know, what, what brings people out to play uh, or to support it is the sense of, you know, identif- identity with your community and with your, you know, club or your town or, or then a county level with your county, you know, that uh, that's kind of where the passion comes from, I suppose. So Yeah, the other thing as well is... Most of the probably the starting fifteen would be mostly Antrim players anyway. So um, you definitely have a few from from Derry or Down, but I don't even think it would make us that much stronger anyway. So right. I think it's just better focus on each individual county and getting more coaching and underage and getting them more games against uh, the likes of Kilkenny and Tipperary and mixing among that and yeah. even 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 the rest of the Leinster like Dublin and Leash and everything. Um, no, definitely not a fan of the Ulster idea at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, I hope you, your knee gets better soon, Ali. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, you know, thanks very much for talking to us. Maybe maybe when everything lifts and, you know, restrictions are gone and, you know, who knows what's going to happen as regards... Visas, yeah, whatever. But maybe I'll, I'll run into and Canton again someday. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe when, when I'm home, I'm, I'll, <laughs> I'll take a spin up to Nave Barrog where you're yeah, trying. Yeah, we get you to Dunloy and Lucky Match. <laughs> and that could be an eye opener, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Might be a bit rough, but uh, no, it'll be enjoyable. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ali, and. Um, Thanks for talking to us and, uh, you know, best of luck. Best of luck with everything at home. Yeah, same to you, Roy. Thanks. All right, thanks. Take care. Okay, you too.